Greetings from the center of Canada and welcome to the Fringe Faithful Collective. My name is Mike Powell and this is article episode number 11 entitled Lunacy and the Second Naivete, which is part of a special series dedicated to the unboxing of songs on the 2019 concept album by the same name. The only way that I can begin this next series of article episodes is to quote a short phrase. I might be wrong. These four words are found in the front matter of Kester Bruin's 2016 book, Getting High, A Savage Journey to the Heart of the Dream of Flight, which is not only the best thing I've ever read in my almost 40 years of existence, but also serves as the primary foundation and framework for lunacy. Before you continue reading or listening, though, I'd ask that you honestly consider those four syllables for yourself, because if you are unable to sincerely own a similar perspective of potentially being mistaken about everything you think you know, then lunacy as an album, along with its corresponding reflections, will be incomprehensible. If, however, you can say along with Kester Bruin and myself, I might be wrong, then there is a chance that you will begin to fathom the theoretical chaos that I've been attempting to navigate through these past dozen of years. You might even unearth some of your own misgivings, insecurities, and doubts buried just below the surface that you assume you've sufficiently concealed or dealt with. Things you don't really want to believe, but which you cannot satisfactorily rationalize away. In essence, that's what lunacy is about. The record is tantamount to a thought experiment about existentialism. And if that's a place you don't want to go, then you should probably stop reading or listening now. Because as the final seconds of guitar on the opening track allude to, the content of the album very quickly becomes dark, dissonant, and without hope. I realize not everyone's there. After all, we all want assurance that our experience isn't as it seems, that there's more to life than what's all too noticeably tempestuous, breakable, and impermanent. But what if there is nothing more than this? What if we won't be alright? Would it change the way people actually lived here and now if there was no guarantee of an otherworldly there and then? In this way, the second naivete is a raising to the ground of everything I was once persuaded to have known. It's a comprehensive burning down of ideological structures, preconceived notions, and escapist fantasies. It's a calculated reset with no agenda other than to conclusively question absolutely everything. It's what Peter Rollins would call pyrotheology, about which he once wrote, We must not be afraid to burn our sacred temples in order to discover what, if anything, remains. Perhaps nothing will be left once the fire goes out, but that would only speak to the dispensability of what we take for granted as immutable. Yet if something new emerges from the ashes, or if something ancient survives, that might be worth paying attention to. After all, though combustion is indeed destructive, it may likewise be the precursor of another beginning, or the revealer of what is ultimately real. To fully understand what's going on in Lunacy and the Second Naivete, we need to go back 12 years. 2007 was the year when my friend Max Wright created his mixed-media masterpiece Compulsion 11, which I chose to be the cover art for Lunacy. This was also the year that my last full-length album, Delusional, was written, and the first time I had recorded and produced something entirely on my own. The final track on Delusional was called Closet Judas, which I thereafter adopted as a moniker for all subsequent recordings. As an album, I would say that Delusional is quite inaccessible, musically speaking, but it was also one of my most honest and creative projects. And it's there, epitomized by the song Apathy Immunity No Longer Possessed, 
that the initial disintegration of my formerly held beliefs is lucidly evident. In fact, delusional was the first of several desperate attempts to salvage the faith I had inherited, which is why that particular project, along with my next ones in Absentia and Fringe Faithful, incorporated a deliberate balance of despairing and hopeful songs. I suppose the assumption that kept me going for so long was that I was merely facing one of those proverbial dark night of the soul situations, and that daylight was looming just beyond the horizon. However, the spiritual dawn I was yearning for never manifested itself and continues to remain elusive. So beginning on the first full moon of the winter in December 2018, a new concept album was conceived. This time, however, instead of attempting to balance hopeless ideas with anything optimistic, what surfaced was the truest depiction of what I've been struggling to cope with every single day since the fall of 2007. In a word, it's desolate. For specifics, if you haven't already listened to the supplemental episode from Season 1 entitled Judas, you might want to check that out. As for the album itself, the nine songs from this project were named and ordered before writing even began, which was the first time I've done anything like it. Initially, I started with a short story that I had composed back in August of 2017 called Lunacy, which will be examined in article episode 19 when the song Destroy the Moon is featured. Because Kester Bruin's book connected with me so deeply, and a key aspect of his narrative had to do with futile attempts at flight, his work provided the ideal structure for my own. Kester was also gracious to record two spoken word selections from the final chapter of Getting High, which were integrated into the metal song Fulcrum and the final track Tributary. See article episodes 16 and 20, respectively. And while I initially had in mind to structure lunacy in a parallel fashion to delusional, aiming for symmetry between despondency and consolation akin to the cyclical darkening and illumination of the moon, as soon as I wrote and released the first single Destroy the Moon in April 2019, it was clear to me that the album would no longer be a hybrid of despair and hope, but entirely somber. Because, to be completely transparent, I've grown tired of pretending and needed to craft something that accurately expressed how I actually encounter life as it is. Accordingly, the words that I wrote in a journal entry four years ago, while in the midst of assembling Fringe Faithful, still have resonance for me today. I am but a narrator who can only tell what I know, which of late is spiritual emptiness and silence, always. All this to say, though Lunacy and the Second Naivete is the album I'm most proud of creating since I began writing my own music, it is sure to simultaneously disappoint everyone, philosophically speaking, as the Powellian theology that surfaces here strays from any categorizable rendering of Christianity, atheism, or whatever. The reality is that I don't think anyone knows what they're talking about, myself included. Neo-evangelicals speak so certainly about a supernatural being who is defined by love. But all I've been able to personally apprehend these past number of years is faceless indifference. Mystics contend that it's about waiting for God in the silence or finding God in our relationships with one another. But that's too esoteric, vague, subjective, and unsatisfying for me. And while it's true that much of the content in Lunacy would sound to the untrained ear like atheism, I trust it's evident that each song nonetheless assumes the existence of a god, albeit a deistic interpretation of one. In other words, I presently find myself at the edge of everywhere and nowhere. 
And while my last album, Fringe Faithful, ended with an optimistic what if this Christianity thing is actually true in spite of how bad Christians have messed it up kind of question, Lunacy gravely muses about the possibility that our existence is inextricably earthbound. In other words, soberly asking, as I do in the track Overwatch, what if all there is, is all that's here? No afterword to this story. Thematically, the songs on the record progress in pairs, with the middle track intentionally standing alone. Pacific and Landlocked Mariner speak of resolve. Overwatch and attention payment are about detachment. Fulcrum relates to grounding, leaving presently an insolent highlight disappointment, and resignation is the subject of Destroy the Moon and Tributary. Listening through the whole album, one will also notice the repetition of various words and themes. For example, death, silence, waiting, water, lack of caring, being lost, etc. And since I have dedicated Lunacy and the Second Naivete to the late Scott Hutchison, the frontman for Frightened Rabbit, Master System, and his solo project Owl John, in three of the songs, in other words, Fulcrum, Leaving Presently, and Insolent, I purposely refer to two of his, namely Bird is Bored of Flying and Be Less Rude. In his music, Scott was always so open about melancholy. I have always appreciated the cutting genuineness of his lyrics, fused into beautiful songs that were sometimes bleak, other times exuding levity, lending a candid voice to the difficulties of life and consequently creating a deep solidarity with listeners going through existential crises of their own. All I can hope for is that an album like the one I've made might be able to do the same for someone else who has faced, is facing, or will face a comparable, indefinite phase of drifting rudderless. If nothing else, one thing to keep in mind when reading or listening to these reflections is that I honestly don't know exactly what to believe right now. I might be completely wrong about the pessimistic perspective that characterizes this particular recording. I truly hope that I'm mistaken. What Lunacy is simply trying to convey relates to what I've been feeling, seeking to the best of my ability to translate emotion into words and music. And presently, I'm lost and have absolutely no sense of divine involvement or concern. Maybe there is something beyond, but that remains to be seen and heard. In any event, I'm very open to having my mind changed, although I would say that I'm significantly more skeptical and disenchanted than I once used to be. Correspondingly, as David Bazan once sarcastically and seriously sang in the Pedro the Lion song, Foregone Conclusions, I could be persuaded if you were to give me proof. Why don't you come over Thursday, maybe we can talk it through, as if some new information were possible to comprehend or introduce. Until then, as the writer of Psalm 88 ended their song, I would equally declare that darkness is my closest friend. Next time on the Fringe Faithful Collective, the song Pacific. Is it about California? Is it metaphorical? Or both? Peace and love, sisters and brothers. <laughs>